0: Um, I have found that quite a number of people, when they're following the guided meditations, obviously, during the meditation, that they're right there, they're really doing it, they're right in the moment, following the instructions, but they don't remember the instructions. I've found that to be many, many times. I'll say something three or four times in the meditation, at the end I'll say, and what's this? And they don't have a clue. And yet they were doing it while they're meditating. So I'd like to spend maybe about three minutes, I'm really eager to get in three minutes into front load, the issue of... So, we're going to go into the first, the first phase of mindfulness of breathing this morning, as usual. Um, and that is the whole issue of relaxation. Uh, there are still a few people on occasion that start feeling pressure building up in the head, tightness in the upper torso, the chest, constriction, overall feeling kind of tight, and so forth. And so, to front load this, when that happens, back off immediately. This is not a habit to... to be tolerant of, you know, back off immediately. There are a lot of nyam that you just want to be patient with and just just move right on through. But pressure building up in the head, the tightness, constriction, all of that, no, just back off immediately. So the first line, the first line of response, I would say, would be the infirmary. So so now have your priority list. First of all, in the, into the infirmary. Full body awareness in the supine position. Oh, very gently. Coming to the ground, the earth element. Bring your awareness out of the head. So there's the first point. Within that, what's the essence? The breathing. Focus on the, on the sensations of the breathing with the background of the earth element sensations. Within the breathing, what's the essence? The out-breath. The out-breath is really the key. Within the out-breath, what's the key? OK, so keys within keys within keys. Within the out-breath, what's the key? It's releasing all the way through through the end of the out-breath releasing as if it's your last one you're ready to die now just release and release and release and just continue letting go and during all that time of the out-breath releasing any thoughts that come up just instantly just gently blow them away and continue releasing until almost as if by surprise the next breath flows in effortlessly don't pull it in don't suck don't give any effort Just, don't don't sniff I should probably say, but don't give any effort to it at all, allow it to flow in and whether it's shallow or deep, just let it be. And so, final point on this one, the big deal here is to really release yourself out of OCDD. So as you're exhaling, just release them all the way through and then as you inhale, a very gentle coalescing, a converging of your awareness Really bringing into the present moment, not tightly focused as in apertures of the nostrils, but bringing into the present moment. So a coalescing, a converging of your awareness, not into the future, not into the past, but within this spacious corral of the field of bodily sensations. So do converge somewhat there, just to be present. So you're not just going into spin out, into you know one one mindless thought after another. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to make one more comment. Um, Clearly, we have two and a half weeks now. So some people are already thinking, oh, time is running out, starting to get a bit uptight, maybe a little bit anxious. Oh, where do I go? What shall I do? It's almost over. I had better try harder. All that kind of business. Kind of a nice analogy from classic Mahayana Buddhism relates to Tushita. It looks like Klaus will name one of his other places here in southern Thailand Tushita. It's a gorgeous place where the organic farm is, uh, two hours north of here. Tushita, in, in all of Buddhism, is known as a, a deva realm, a, a deva abode within the desire realm. Okay? So a very nice place, very nice place. And it's, it's a flat-out deva realm. It's just one of, It's within samsara, but very pleasant, extremely pleasant. Tushita. And then in the Mahayana, and that's all over Buddhism. Theravada, Pali Canon, it's everywhere. And then in the Mahayana, you don't find this in the Pali Canon, what I'm about to say, and that is, it said there's the the Deva realm in the desire realm of Tushita, and then some distance away, and exactly what that means, that may be pure poetry, metaphor, who knows, but some distance away, there's the pure land of Tushita. Pure land. Well, a pure land is a, an environment created from the mind of the Buddha. It's not created by the karma of sentient beings, whether it's Sukhavati, Tushita, Abhirati, and so forth and so on. Uh, and that's where it is said, in Mahayana, that the coming Buddha Maitreya dwells, and Tsongaba went there, Atisha went there, so you'll be in extremely good company, many other great beings took there to be in the presence of Maitreya. I'm sure they're offering teachings as well as perhaps, re- perhaps receiving teaching from Maitreya. But it's said to be analogous to Tushita as the deva realm, as being like a village, and Tushita, the pure realm, as being like a monastery just outside the village, like one kilometer or a half kilometer away, just outside of town. Right? So it's very different karma to go to one as opposed to another, just like being in a village versus being the nearby monastery. Those are very different places to be, even if they're, you know, very close together in terms of their basic proximity. But the ambience of the two, even though they're both very pleasant, they're both called Tushita, Ganden, the, joy, the joyful place, the delightful place, um, they're fundamentally different. And that is, one is simply, you save up your good karma, and then you get a really nice vacation in the desire realm of Tushita. And it's really, really nice. And then all your, your karma money goes, it gets exhausted, depleted. And when your credit card is maxing out, you know, like, oh no, my time in Tushita. Deva is almost running out. When you see, when you're getting close to the termination, then it said the flowers in your hair start to wilt and I don't know, body odor, some other really kind of bad signs that you're checking out. You're gonna, gonna be leave, leaving this place. And the other, the other devas, the other devas start saying, oh, her flowers are wilting. Look out, she's not long for this world. <laughs> you know? And so then they say it's really miserable. It's really, it's really awful. When, you, when you, you see, uh-oh, you mean my flowers are, are wilting? You're, you know, little rests and so forth? No. Oh, and you've been having such a great time that now to see that your days are really numbered, you're coming to the end, it's just a total bummer. It was really good until the flowers started wilting. But then it's just bummer. And you think, oh, geez, where am I going from here? My credit card's running out. My karma's exhausted. Ay, 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 I could be, I could be, I could be born in the United States. <laughs> oh, geez. <sighs> and it's just really depressing. <laughs> Whereas in an utter contrast to that, beings who are born in the pure land of Tushita, they didn't get there just by being really generous and doing virtue this, virtue that, virtue that, virtue that, you know, and accruing a lot of merit. This comes by very pure practice, pure motivation, strong prayers to Maitreya, prayers of dedication, aspiration to be born in a pure land, not just in a really cool place, so that they may be in the presence of holy beings, enlightened beings, that they may find themselves in an utterly conducive environment for spiritual practice. Whereas the deva realm is just really pleasant, that's it, it's really nice. But the other one is all set up just for spiritual practice. right? And so, it sounds a lot like heaven, and who could, there they are, it certainly sounds like a lot like heaven. But here's one distinction, and I, I must say I find it very meaningful. And that is, it's a very large, kind of broad view within Mahayana Buddhism, that you don't go to a pure land like Tushita, for example, just to be in holy beings and then, you know, play a harp for the rest of eternity, you know. <laughs> harp, banjo, whatever, you know. And you just play, play celestial music, you know, forever. I mean, I don't think any religion really teaches that. But the notion that you just hang out there for eternity... You know, is not the vision. How does that fit into the bodhisattva ideal? That just sounds like a really you know. So the the ideal there is you go there until you've gotten your battery sufficiently charged with blessings, with teachings, with practice. Achieve bodhicitta, stabilize your bodhicitta, to really develop yourself robustly on the on the path, and then develop deeper and deeper compassion, great compassion, of course. And then, when you feel you're ripe, then you leave. And then you go to the United States, or Mexico, or Finland. They have very good sisu there. Very tasty sisu. Um, And then you come down, not because your karma ran out, you're coming down out of compassion, to be of service. Because you've just been blessed by Maitreya and other great beings in that realm. So then you're coming down, and there's no wilting of flowers, there's no, oh, bummer, I'm about to leave. It's like, like you know, I think I'm ready to go, like a, like a chick ready to leave the nest. I think I'm ready to go. And then when, they go, when you go, you know, I'm, I'm going to use my imagination a little bit. Every, everything I've been saying thus far is straight Mahayana Buddhism. But one can imagine kind of a celebration among the other beings there. Oh, you, you got your act totally together? You're really ready to go to Mexico, to go down to the United States or whatever? Yay, you know, give them a good send-off. Go for it, dude. You know? Help out sentient beings. We'll be following after. We'll go off to Argentina. We'll go off to wherever. But they're willing to go to all realms of existence. I remember once when I was oh, speaking one-on-one with Geshingo and Taike and expressing some real concern about, I don't want to go to a hell realm. He got, almost, he got almost wrathful with me. He really did. Almost wrathful. He said, You shouldn't be afraid of hell realms. You should be willing to go to hell realms. You know, Stop that. <laughs> okay. molten iron yeah i don't mind <laughs> okay <laughs> so if we consider this we're here on the island of phuket so i've heard we are on the this island is the most popular vacation resort in all of asia so i've heard and we're right now just on the cusp of the high season you might have noticed the weather is changing It's kind of getting like celestial. And it's going to remain this way right through until early March. It's just, this is why people come from all over the world, to be here, especially December, January, February, but also November. We're slipping into November pretty quickly here. And so you can imagine people saving up their money and coming to one of the really nice hotels here and eating in the really good restaurants and enjoying the fantastic beaches. And then there's Patong Beach, As they say, a massage with a happy ending. (laughs) I'm just stating the facts, that's why some people come here. Not me. (laughs) I come here for the ice cream. (laughs) So, this place is clearly designed. I mean, Klaus has taken me to some of the really nice restaurants here a few times. Oh, you really feel this is they're, they're trying to make this as deva-ish as possible. I mean, really unbelievable. And some of the hotels here. Uh, but in the midst of all of that, here's our little valley. And this $40 million sports facility is going to be a place like a deva realm to make your body as beautiful and healthy as possible, eat the best food you possibly can, make it look gorgeous, feel your vitality, feel healthy, Feel fantastic physically. Basically, and, and it's going to cost. I mean, this is you know, it's a business. And the school is there to educate children in the best possible way. And that's going to cost, although there will be scholarships. So the other two are ty- like really, like the sports facility, like a, it's pretty much like a deva realm, frankly. And the school, like a really intelligent deva realm. And then the mind center, it's our best facsimile. I'm no Buddha, I'm not even close, not in the ballpark. But, and this is not, so this is planet Earth, there's no question about that, but we're doing our best here to create by what we bring to it. This being like a pure land, the mind center, like a pure land, right next door to the Deva realms, right? And so as, we, as we're approaching now, the end, and we're, it's slowly approaching, we still have two and a half weeks, but as we slowly approach the end, you can envision yourself as being like in a pure land, excuse me, in a Deva realm, and think, oh no, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, like that. That's your choice. Or you can treat this as our best facsimile of a pure land. But this is time so that when, you're re- that when we come to the end, you have been preparing yourself all the way along to launch yourself out wherever you're going, whether it's into further retreat, like another pure land, or whether it's to go back to work, wherever you are, but going back with a sense, okay, I've had my time in a, our best approximation of a pure land, and I'm going to try to bring that out into the world. And my four best friends, when I venture out, are going to be the four immeasurables. Okay? So, you know me. I said I'd speak for a short time. Never happens. Let's have one session, and I'll give concise instructions on the infirmary. Settle your body in its natural state with the three qualities of relaxation, stillness, and a posture of vigilance even if it's only psychological as you lie in the supine position. Strike the balance of relaxation and vigilance. Effortlessly settle your breathing in its natural rhythm, unconstrained, unforced. And very deliberately, allow yourself the freedom to release all obligations of thinking about the future or the past. For just this little while, recognize that it's really okay to be just here, just now, set your mind at ease, in the present moment, in stillness, and in its own natural clarity. Let your mindfulness be rooted, grounded, in the earth element where your body is in contact with the ground, resting in these sensations of firmness and solidity, which are constant. on the basis of that constant flow of mindfulness of the earth element. Let your awareness be diffuse, but present throughout the body, attending to the sensations of the breath wherever they are most distinct. Containing this wild steed of your attention within the confines of the body here and now and taking advantage of every outbreath to relax the body release the breath and to release any thoughts that arise continuing to relax and release all the way through the end of the outbreath continuing to relax and release Until the next breath flows in effortlessly, during inhalation very gently coalescing your attention, retaining it within the confines of the space of the body with every out breath, relaxing deeply, but relaxing within the confines of the space of the body. The balance here is to retain your initial level of clarity of mind, of attention, while deepening and deepening the sense of looseness, of relaxation, of ease in the body and in the breathing, as well as the mind. Let's continue practicing now in silence. So, some of you might recall the posture in which Ananda uh, became an arhat, achieved liberation. The very abbreviated version of the story is he had a whole bunch of arhats waiting on him and very strongly encouraging him to achieve arhatship quickly because they were about to convene the first council of 500 arhats to assemble, in terms of auditory memory, they didn't write it down, but uh, in terms of auditory memory, to assemble uh, all the teachings of the Buddha. And Ananda had, had attended basically all the teachings of the Buddha for the last 2,500 years, and he had an eidetic memory. Uh, and a number of people do, just he had perfect memory. So he, they absolutely could not have that conference without him. It would have been a joke. But he hadn't achieved arhatship, and they wouldn't let anybody who was not an arhat in. So he had 499 arhats saying, finish the job and make it snappy. And so, of course, what he tried to do was, he tried to do it. He tried too hard, and he couldn't. He was, had 499 arhats kind of pressuring him, and he just, so he'd be sitting in meditation and lying down in meditation, probably walking and standing, and, but always that pressure, he couldn't do it. And so then one day, he was just sitting in meditation, and he got tired of sitting. And so he just leaned over to lie down. And when he was like halfway into lying, he relaxed and achieved arhatship. So you note my posture, right? Something like this without the, the back behind me. I'm like 45 degrees. Um, with that in mind, considering that that posture is good enough to achieve arhatship, For those of you who find supine position doesn't work, it could be because of acid reflux. It could be for some other reason. You may not be able to sit for 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. Maybe your body just gets tired. But then you say, but I can't go supine, acid reflux, the valve, whatever. Then you might consider buying a lawn chair, buying a deck chair. I mean, there's all kinds of wonderful chairs we have in the West now, but give you some incline. So the gravity is still down, it's, that is, food and liquid and so forth are still being pulled down where they should be going, down to the stomach and down below that, so you don't have it just flat and then gravity is just pulling it to your back. So, and then you can adjust it, and all the good lawn chairs, you've got a rat- uh, ratchet, going <coughs> So just find you know the right elevation, so you feel as relaxed as you would be in the supine position, but you have the elevation, and that should take care of acid reflux, right? So you might want to consider this. But then I had this really awful vision. So that that was sort of a little really awful vision. I'm just thinking of, you know, some years ahead of the development of the Mind Center. (laughs) Where the Mind Center actually moves over to the swimming pool. (laughs) And what we have is a whole bunch of umbrellas and all deck chairs. Looking out over the pool. And umbrellas over everybody. And then little sans stands by everyone with a pino colada, <laughs> a non-alcoholic pino colada with brain food that's especially designed to nourish the parts of the brain associated with attention. And so everybody lying on their deck chairs, sipping piña coladas, wearing EEG caps <laughs> that will give them feedback on their attention skills, and they'll all have little finger monitors to measure how relaxed they are biofeedback, and, and it's, oh, yeah, shaman is very difficult. <laughs> 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 so, look out, look out. But the deck chair may be the first step in that slippery slope. There we are. Good. Oh lasso, enjoy your day.